Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast, episode number 20. This is your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking about how to save your relationship when it's on the rocks. So if you want to know more about my personal story from 2017 and how my relationship was on the rocks and where it's at now, which is in a bloody good place, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people, and more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So, how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jacob Andre and today I'm talking about how to save your relationship from a very personal perspective. So this is the third in a four-part series on men's health for November 2017 and I'm writing about this topic because many men might not consider talking about it or not even know how to talk about it and that is how to save their relationship when it's on the rocks. So for the most part of this year, my relationship with my partner, who's actually my fiance, Holly, has been on the rocks, and it's been a very, very stressful year. There's been a whole bunch of different situations and circumstances throughout the year which have led to our relationship really kind of being put to a lower priority, and as a result of that, it's really strained the relationship and as that relationship has strained it's really made at times our home life pretty uncomfortable and not just for us but for our four kids as well so I really feel like it's important to talk about this topic because I I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there who may be in the same situation may have been in the same situation or maybe in the future will be in this situation and can come back and, and listen to this and I feel like my story might be able to help some others because I feel like I've been very lucky that I've been able to save our relationship for for now. Hopefully nothing happens bad in the future but I certainly didn't want the relationship to end and I feel like by making some changes, and I know people say you shouldn't change for anybody, but I really feel like I needed to change for myself. Um, And as a result of that, I feel like if you're changing for the better, who really cares why you're changing? And, And I actually feel better about the person who I am, and I'm more happy with my life as a result, and I certainly know my family is more happy as well. So I know you may not always have to change yourself, but I felt like... I needed to or the relationship was probably going to end and I don't think that was from any negative point of view where it was anything you know like if I was going along and doing the right thing and I was with a bad person maybe then it might be different but I was with a great person and I feel like I just wasn't listening to what she was saying and eventually it took for her to say she didn't want to be with me anymore that I actually realized heck I've got to do something here about that and so I just really feel like this is an important um, topic and that's why I'm talking about it today so I I want to start off by pointing out that I've got some really really good mates probably about five or six mates that I could count on at any time and go to for anything and in this situation there was two mates who I turned to 
one of them I spoke, I sent a message and said, can we catch up? I want to talk. And we organized to go, we either catch up to go to the pub or a cafe. And in this instance, we decided to go to a pub. And that was great to catch up with him and talk, but it was almost just like going to a counselor. It was just letting me spill my guts, but there was nothing really from that. It was kind of like, yeah, that was a good fun night. You know, we got to catch up and we chatted, but that was about it. And that's a good thing to do. But one of my other mates actually kind of coached me, as you will, um, on what it was I needed. And one of the things, after letting me spill my guts and just letting me talk uh, about the whole situation, he said to me one question which really resonated at the time, and it just hit me. I realized how important that question was, and it was, do you still want to be with her? And my answer was an instant and definitive, yes, I do, man. Dude, I seriously want to be with her. I don't want to lose it. And he went, okay, all right, this is what we're going to do. And it just felt good to have someone take control. I know people say, let them make up their mind. and But he knew what I wanted, and, and I just wanted that one mate that would just say, look, do this, do that. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. Um, and it's up to you to take on what your mates are telling you. But I just felt like that was the right thing at that moment. But he followed that question up um, with another question. And it was along the lines of, will you do anything to save your relationship? And for me, I I would. I would have done anything to save my relationship. I was just so scared and not just scared about what could have happened and being scared of change and all that, which is completely fine and I understand that. But I was just scared because I truly did love her and I was just so sad that I had let it get to that point. And... um, where, yeah, just let it get to that point where she felt like she was at her wit's end and wanted to not be with me anymore. So I knew I had to do some things and I didn't set out ahead of time to do these things. Um, I didn't create a plan and a bunch of strategies and go, all right, I'm going to follow these step by step. But I sort of started doing a couple things. And as I learned from those things, I started either continuing to do them or starting to do new things or modifying those things. And that really helped me and I just want to pass on to you what those things were because I know they worked for me they may not work for you they may all work for you and maybe a couple work for you whatever the case is I think it's beneficial for you to be armed with those things so that you can go on and if you are in that situation like I was where your relationship is on the rocks you can look at a couple of these things and go you know I'm going to try that so I just want to point out I'm going to be a little bit explicit here these are always um, clean uh, this clean language that I use in here but I'm, the first one is just get the fuck over yourself and this is more me talking to myself than anyone else in this point here but I hold a very strong sense of who I am and I'm a very confident person I know that and I know that my confidence can boil over into arrogance at times I don't like to believe that I am arrogant but I do know that I can slip into arrogance arrogance is a very fine line between being you know um, confident and overconfident as soon as you start to get into overconfidence it's very easy for that to be perceived by others as arrogance and I think as it becomes more and more overconfident it then certainly there's a tipping point where it rolls over into arrogance but if you're like me you just have to put your ego to the side. Just get over yourself because at the end of the, day, end of the day, what's more important, your ego and you getting what you want or you being right or that relationship? And for me, I knew what was more important at the end of the day. Secondly, just shut up and listen. And I struggle with this almost more than anyone. 
I like to have my say and I like to be right. Who doesn't? I, I don't I don't know anyone who doesn't like to be right, despite what they might say. But I'm sure there's people out there, but I don't know any of them. But you do have to bite your lip and just listen. And I watched my dad do this a lot as a kid, and I swore I'd never do it. And I saw him constantly biting his lip. And I thought, Dad, just stand up for yourself. Stop being a sook. And, you know, Mum's walking all over you in this case. And he just would bite his lip and... I always looked at that in that time as a child and thought, you know, just why are you, you know, why are you not standing up for what you believe in? And now I'm realizing that it was a pretty good strategy because you don't always have to be right, but it is most important, even if you, because what I have learned is most of the time you might think you're right, but you're probably not. Um, but what's most important is that, is that you do listen. And in those times where I was constantly caught up with just not wanting, you know, not wanting to shut up and just keep getting my point across that I wasn't actually listening. So give her an opportunity to say what's on her mind, go away and process that, and then with a clear mind, respond. If necessary, you might not even have to respond, but if you are required to respond or you believe it's in your best interest to respond, then do so later with a calm mind and then keep going away because I'm not the sort of person that likes to take the walking away strategy. I like to get in and get the issue sorted right there and then. And that just escalates so fast and ends up becoming revolved around emotion than actual facts and how we can move forward. So I personally hate walking away, but in order to build good relationships, it just doesn't work like that. They take time. If you listen to what she is saying and really listen, trust me, you'll hear more than just the words coming out of her mouth. The other thing is stop saying I and me statements. Wow, this was massive for me. As I was processing the whole situation and coming to terms with the possibility of moving out, finding somewhere new to stay, not seeing my kids every morning, heck, even not being able to have sex with the person I love having sex with ever again, I realized a lot of my self-talk revolved around I and me statements. And I remember the moment, I still clearly remember the moment when I realized this and I went, holy shit, this is all about me, Jacob. It's all about you. You're making it all about you. Just shut up. And why don't you actually think about her for once? And at the time I was completely embarrassed. I was literally shocked. And that was probably one of the most liberating experiences in my life. And it had flow-on effects for many other areas of my life too. And catching myself now and changing my language when I use I and me statements has had a profound impact on my life now to date. And I'm sure it will moving forward into the future. Another one is to express your appreciation. So I've known for a long time, if you want to get something, you have to give it. That's, it's an age-old saying and I've long stood by it. That when I want something, if I want more love, I've got to give more of it. If I want more money, I've got to give more of it. And it creates this kind of unlimited sense in your subconscious mind that, you know, I've got an unlimited disposal of this, so I, I can give it. And then what ends up happening, you know, people talk about karma, or however you want to call it, it ends up coming back to you. And when I remembered this, um, I realized I hadn't actually expressed my appreciation for a very long time or nowhere near consistently enough. And I started taking things for granted. And let me tell you, that is the fuel for any relationship breakdown fire. I love challenges and I respond to them well. So I set myself a challenge 
to send Holly 90 appreciation messages in 90 days. Now, I have to admit, I haven't stuck to this and done one a day every single day. But when I decided to do this, I remember looking... Um, I'd actually seen on Facebook that it, the day before that there was 90 days until Christmas. So I knew that if I started that day, that that would take me through to Boxing Day. And I thought, yep, leading up to Christmas would be a perfect time. She'll feel great as you know, as it potentially gets a bit more stressful, going and buying Christmas presents and stuff like that and hitting the shops. And, um, and I knew that finishing on Boxing Day was probably a better day than finishing on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because she would possibly feel like I was not ending it, like just doing it as a Christmas thing and not ending on Christmas Day and showing that there was some appreciation even after Christmas. And like I said, I haven't stuck to it um, consistently and done it every single day, but I've made up for it and I've done, you know, two, three, even four some days. Um, you know, I, I think you do have to give, cut yourself some slack and I've this is a new behavior and you're never going to do something perfectly. And so to say, you know, well, I'm going to give up smoking and then to go and have one smoke in two weeks when you normally smoke, you know, 10 cigarettes a day is not a failure. And if you think it is, then you're really being too tough on yourself and you're setting yourself up for failure in my opinion. So recognizing there's going to be slip ups along the road in creating a new routine routine in order to create a new behavior um, or a new habit, sorry, that you give yourself some an opportunity, you know, some leeway there so that you can continue to move forward. And so I have continued, um, I, I think I'm at about 40 as this and I'm going to spend the next few days really, I think I've slipped behind and probably I'm probably about five to 10 days behind. So I need to send two to three a day for the next couple of weeks. And But I really want them to be from the heart. I don't want them to just be aimless you know, I appreciate you for this. I actually want, I actually sit down and think about what is it that Holly is doing, which is making my life easy. I know that's another me statement or what is it that I really appreciate? Like, for example, she started sewing again, and this is one which is going to come up in the next few days, which I haven't sent her yet. But I appreciate that she started sewing again for herself. That's got nothing to do with me. I appreciate that because she's got the Christmas craft fair coming up, she appreciate uh, that she started sewing again, making some cool little kids' skirts and shorts, and I appreciate she's doing something for herself that she loves. So you can see um, that it's not just about me because there, wasn't actually, there was actually a shift. Um, after about a week of doing it, my whole mindset shifted. And initially I was doing this to receive more appreciation for what I was doing. Again, more about me. But after about a week, it suddenly hit me that I had a lot to be appreciative of. I realized just how much she did. And I started sending her messages because I truly appreciated what she did not to receive that appreciation in return. And I, I started giving appreciation because I truly was appreciative. The next one is consider how it will make her feel. I started taking on more responsibility. Now, we both have designated jobs around the house, and in my head, I was doing my half of the jobs. Typically, I look after outside, which is a lot more hot and hard work, and she looks after inside, which is probably a bit more consistently that you need to be on the ball. And I don't want to stereotype here, but she typically does the washing and the dishes while I typically do mowing the lawn and blowing outside. Now, my jobs usually take a lot more time to do. They're probably more physically strenuous, but I don't have to do them as often. And, and I take out the rubbish as well, and which is a, something a bit more regular. Hers probably aren't as physically draining, although vacuuming the floor and mopping is, and even folding the clothes can be a little bit um, physically draining. But 
they're a lot more consistent. They happen a lot more regularly. And, um, yeah, and so as I started to take on, I started, you know, it wasn't like I never did the dishes. I sometimes did the dishes and, you know, I sometimes did the washing and so did she. She sometimes did stuff outside as well. So it wasn't like we didn't ever cross over, but I was hold, I felt like I was holding up my end of the bargain based on what we'd agreed upon as our jobs to make sure the house continued to function well. And I didn't think that it was fair that I should have to take on more. But I started to do some of the chores initially begrudgingly, but just to try and like save the relationship um, that she would normally do. And this had a huge impact on our relationship. And in my opinion, this made the biggest difference. I believe she started to perceive me differently and it really broke the ice between us. And it also gave me a greater appreciation for just how much she did. And that then fed into my appreciation messages and gave me more content, more uh, things to be appreciative of, of more things that I could write about and send her. Um, and it turns out it probably was that she was doing a lot more than I was. So I'm glad that I've started doing that. Um, again, it's a new routine and it's about building that routine and creating behavior. And this is tough. But if you've, there's no time frame that it takes for creating a new habit. But if there's a real emotional attachment, that habit can become strengthened much more quickly. And let me tell you, I was very emotionally attached to this. The other one, and this is, again, really important, know each other's languages of love. So the five love languages have become quite famous now following the book by Gary Chapman. And Crystal Gittins wrote a guest blog for me on this topic, uh, which you can read on my website. Just search the, um, the search bar on the blog. Everyone has a main language of love, which they use to express and receive love. And this comes from the way, typically the way children were shown love when they were kids or what they saw in their parents, what they observed observational learning but people also have one or two maybe even three supporting love languages and there are five remember so if you want to know more about what they are let me reiterate go to the website and check them out that article by crystal giddens or just type in love languages but even after nine years together and a knowledge of what each other's main love language was we probably weren't clear on what the supporting love languages were but we also went, were failing to consider how the other person might be receiving our love. Although we, I have to admit, neither of us were putting much effort into this either way. It was a big reminder for me, though, that when, when I started doing those chores, taking on some of the chores that she would typically do, that her main love language is acts of service. And hence, this is why taking on those chores had such a big impact. So doing that and seeing her response to that, the way she reacted to me and her behavior change and the way that our relationship started to flourish again, like almost planting new seeds in a flower garden and watching that flower uh, sprout up, it really, it really reminded me that her main love language is acts of service. Again, another one, second last one, is just put in the effort. Now, I've heard people say that if you love someone, it shouldn't take effort. And I think these people are completely deranged. I come from a family who, for the most part, are all married or have lived out their wedding vows till death did them part. And the one thing I've learned from them is that long-term relationships take effort and you have to work on it. There was a really cool movie with Robin Williams in it called License to Wed, and he was the um, the pastor or the, the head of the church, the priest. And 
in there, the, at the end of it, the father of the bride, Mandy Moore, says to the son-in-law, look, you know, we're not in love. We haven't been in love our whole relationship. They'd been married for, I think, 25 or 30 years in the movie or something. And he says to him, years 17 through to 19 were absolute hell for us. And I thought, geez, three years, how did they cope through three years? So many people would just give up on their relationship and get a divorce if a relationship broke down for 12 months, six months even. But to go through, you know, you're going to have ebbs and flows in anything. There are seasons to anything, you know, to there are seasons to a day, there are seasons to a month, there are seasons to a year, there are seasons to a relationship that goes for 60 years. And you're going to have times when there's going to be a bad day, there's going to be a bad week, there's going to be a bad month, and there's probably even, over those longer periods, going to be bad years. And I hope I don't ever experience that, but I'm prepared for it knowing what it takes to be in a long-term relationship. So what I'm saying here is that you must build a solid foundation of communication and respect. And that is the thing that I've learned from seeing my grandparents who were married for over 60 years, both sets of them, in fact, um, that you just have to communicate and you have to respect one another. And it's in these times of adversity that you draw upon that foundation because anyone can make a relationship work when everything's going well. That's easy. But in order to make a relationship work when things aren't, that's when you've got to work at it. That's when you've got to draw upon that foundation which you've built in those good times, in the beginning. And it's all, in my opinion, underpinned by communication and respect. And when things aren't going well, you just have to communicate, respect each other, and go from there. And finally, this is a fun one, and it's to role play. And we used to role play all the time, and it was fun. (laughs) That was good fun for us. Um, It was actually really good for us because role-playing in this situation just became second nature. We pretended um, that we just met again and we started talking to each other like we would back in the day. I remember saying stuff that I would have said, you know, when we first met. And in fact, my brain actually started thinking the same way it was thinking when we first met. I remember recently I asked her, I sent her a message. It It was a Friday morning and I was going out for the day to do some work and... I messaged her and said, hey, what are you up to tonight? And I don't think she got that I was sort of role-playing. And I sent her a message and said, oi, I'm role-playing. Play along. And she said, oh, nothing much. And so we were pretending that we'd just sort of met and we'd been to sort of hanging out, courting each other for a couple of weeks. And, you know, she was talking about her kids and blah, blah, blah. Because the way we did it is that I was the new guy and she was herself and it was with her four kids. So I was coming in and she said, oh, you know, I've got to do, she is a Tupperware manager. So she said, I've got to do a couple of, first of all, I've got to take the kids to Kumon, which is where our kids go on a Friday afternoon. And then I've got to do a couple of Tupperware deliveries, but I'm free after that. What are you up to? And I said, oh, I'd like to take you out for dinner. She said, oh, I'll have my kids with me. And I said, oh, cool. I'll I'll take, I'll, you know, bring the kids. That'll be fun. You know, (laughs) I love them as my own, wink, wink. And, um, and she said, oh, you want to take me and the four kids out? And I said, yeah, why not? And she goes, it's going to be expensive. And me knowing what it's like to go out with four kids to dinner. Uh, we were just going to the local shopping mall eatery. Um, but even that turned out to be expensive. But, um, you know, we kind of joked around and I actually started thinking. I was like, yeah, no, I don't mind. You're worth it. I'll take you out. Because that's what I would have said back in the day if I was first meeting her or when I was first meeting her. 
And now I know I would have gone, oh, I don't know about going out. That's expensive for us to go out to dinner. Let's maybe stay home and, you know, or do whatever, do something different. But um, we do go out a lot for, for food. But I said, you're worth it. And because that's what I would have thought back then. So it was actually really scary because it started to become really real the way we were actually um, – you know, role playing, and I think the kids actually thought we were crazy because of the, the way we were kind of talking at times, and um, and making a joke of it, and and that was really funny. And I think that's just what we needed at the time to lighten the mood, and that also really really helped us. So just to summarise, I'm going to go back through what they all are because I've talked a fair bit on each of them. So the first one, and I won't cuss on this one, but it's to just get over yourself. Secondly, be quiet and listen. Number three, stop saying I and me statements. Number four, express your appreciation. Number five, consider how it will make her feel. Anything. Consider how things will make her feel. What am I up to here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Know each other's love language. Seven, put in the effort. And number eight, role play. So since implementing these strategies, life has become so much better. There's still been rocky times and we've had moments where it feels like all the good work has been undone, but we've moved through it and come out the other side. We're in a good place with where we are right now. And even though I know there's going to be more work to do and undoubtedly more hard times to overcome in the future, I truly believe we will get through this and come out for the better on the other side. Life right now is great. I'm happy with my relationship, my family, and importantly, I'm happy with the person who I am. So... I know that this is going to just go into our narrative of what our relationship is and it's going to be just another slab of concrete or another brick in the wall for the foundation which we've built that we can draw upon when we come upon hard times in the future. So if you're going through a hard time, I'd love to know about it. Share it with me. You can share it through private message on Facebook or Instagram. Send me an email, info at jacobandre.com. You can access all that stuff on the website at jacobandre.com, which you'll see the links in this podcast. And I wish you luck. If you are going through this, hang tough. Keep working on it. If you really want to be with that person, decide you want to be with that person and keep working at it. And I really, from the bottom of my heart, wish you luck. I'll see you in the next episode. Are you frustrated that no matter how much you try, no matter how good you plan to eat, no matter how much you intend to exercise, you just can't seem to stay on track with your health and fitness goals? Do you feel like your best of intentions to have more energy and feel better about yourself results in having even less energy and feeling down? What if there was something you were missing? What if eating healthy was actually enjoyable? What if you looked forward to exercise? What if moving more could actually be really easy? I've put together a free ebook just for you, detailing the strategies for having more energy and feeling better about yourself. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. To get instant access absolutely free, simply visit jacobandre.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-A-N-D-R-E-A-E.com.